what to do with a whiskey that you don't like, my experience at the Kentucky Bourbon Festival, and a review of Very Old Barton. What's up, guys? My name is Chris, and you are listening to the Whiskey Noobs Podcast. Today, we have yet another Q&A episode of the podcast. I do want to mention, because I'm going to be fiddling with it, that I have a new mic stand. So if you're watching the video version of this, you might see me fiddling with it. This is a little simpler than the other mic stand that I have, but I'm hoping it's a little bit less in my way. I actually think the simpler might be better. We're going to see. But as I mentioned, today we've got an episode, a Q&A episode of the podcast. These questions come to me from you guys, the listeners. If you want to submit a question, you can submit one on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs. Every Wednesday, I post a photo to my story. You can submit your questions through that photo. Or if you'd like to jump to the front of the line, you can submit a question through the Patreon page at patreon.com slash whiskey noobs. Now, I am going to get to these questions, but normally during the Q&A episodes, I do a mystery whiskey review. I review a whiskey and don't tell you guys what it is. I give you flavor notes and then you can guess what it is to kind of help with like blind tasting, with learning what notes go with what whiskeys, etc. Today is going to be a little bit different because one of the questions that I'm going to answer in long form is my thoughts on very old Barton. I assume that the person meant the 100 proof version of it. I do actually already have a bottle. Shout out to my buddy Jimmy who actually gave me this bottle. Jimmy, I don't know if you listen to the podcast or not, but thank you for the bottle. I very much appreciate it. So I figured instead of a mystery whiskey review, let's do a real whiskey review. It'll be kind of a quick one, but I am going to, throughout the episode, taste very old Barton 100 proof and then give you my thoughts at the end. And kind of throughout, I'll be giving you my thoughts as well. I have had this before. It's been a minute, though, so I'm excited to get into it again. So let me put this once again, as I always do, somewhere in frame that I am less likely to knock it off the table, hopefully. I do also have a new patron to shout out. So shout out to Clifford Bowers. Thank you so much for joining the Expert Noobs tier of the Patreon page. And thank you to all of the patrons who support the show. A lot of this would not be possible without you guys. So if you want to support the show, make sure you check out the link down in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash whiskey noobs. Thank you so much to all the patrons. Let's move on with these questions. So the first question that I have to answer for today is, of course, a review of Very Old Barton. I have the 100 proof version here. I'm going to take a quick nose and a quick sip, just give you very, very first round thoughts, and then I will continue to taste it through the episode and give you guys more thoughts. I want to note that I'm pretty sure this bottle, from what I found online, is like $20. So it's not like, I think that's what's really impressive about it. It's not an overly expensive bottle, but apparently it's very good. And when I tasted it, I really enjoyed it, but I haven't done a full review of it yet. So let's do that first, and then we're going to get into more questions. Right off the bat, it tastes good, and it doesn't taste overly harsh. Generic bourbon flavors so far on the nose and on the palate, but not a ton of harshness, so I'm excited to get further into this glass and see what more specific notes I pull out from it. So, let's get started. I'm going to answer some long-form questions, so I'll answer a few questions in kind of a long answer, and then I do a lightning round where I try to get through as many questions as I can in the amount of time that I have in order to answer as many of your guys' questions as I am able to do. So let's start with the long-form questions. This person asked, what is the most overrated mid-range bourbon that you've tried, that I've tried? So I like this one because I do think there is a fair amount of overrated mid-range bourbon. But it's kind of a hairy question. So let let me dive in a little bit. 
there's a lot of overrated mid-range bourbon because it's really easy to, I shouldn't say it's easy, it's hard to become a distiller, but it's really easy to just throw a bottle out in that mid-price range, that mid-tier of pricing. I'm going to I'm gonna say between like the $30 and the $50, like right in that kind of middle where it's like it's a, it's a nice bottle, you're going to spend some money on it, but you're not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I spent this amount of money on it, at least not for most people, and I recognize that everybody's situation is different. But in that price range, I think distillers will really take tend to throw a lot out there just to kind of see what sticks. So I think there is a lot of overrated bottles in that price range that they get a lot of hype online, but they're actually not amazing. However, and there is a very big however here, I think the reason that that happens is that those bottles are good for some people. So I think in the mid-range, any bottle that's doing something kind of unique, between that $30 and $50 range is where you're really going to start to hit those bottles that don't just taste like whiskey. And so if it's trying to do something unique, then some people are going to love it and some people are going to hate it. So I'm going to throw an example out there, and I'm actually going to use a bottle that I personally love to try to keep this a little bit fair. Angel's Envy, like the standard Angel's Envy. That's $50, at least in Ohio, for that bottle. Now, that is a bottle that I absolutely love. I recommend it pretty often to newer people because it's very sweet, very approachable. And personally, I really enjoy it. I think it has a lot of flavor. It brings a lot to the table for what it is. And it's about $50. So it's not like overly crazy expensive, but it's right at the high end of what I would consider the middle range. Now, why do I use this as an example? Because Angel's Envy has a rather specific taste. This does not just taste like bourbon because it is finished in port wine barrels. So it's not bourbon full stop. It's a finished bourbon. It's a bourbon finished in port wine barrels. So it has a rather specific taste to it. Now, I know it does get a lot of love online, and I am part of that love. I love Angel's Envy. I love the way that it tastes. But it can become overhyped because... It's in that mid-tier price range, and for people who like the unique thing that it does, it's very good. But because it does a unique thing to a lot of people who are going to try it, it is overhyped. So I hope I'm not like being too abstract here, but my point being, and, and I'm picking on Angel's Envy because I love it, so I, I want to be clear about that. There's a lot of bourbons that do this. My point being, when you're in that middle tier, distillers are like, let's throw something out there and see what happens. And it becomes a thing, we're seeing this with Amberana finishes right now, it becomes a thing where if you like the flavor of it, you really like it, but a lot of people won't like it. But because it's unique and because it's catchy, like Angel's Envy being finished or an Amberana finish sounding cool, if I'm even pronouncing that right, I think I am, uh, but because it sounds catchy like that, it blows up online or it blows up in just socially. Like people are like, have you seen this? This is a crazy thing that's being done. This is a wild drink. And, and because it's kind of catchy, it blows up and it becomes overhyped. And so I do think you see that a lot in the mid range, but because of the fact that a lot of people will like it, there's not any specific brands that I would really feel comfortable calling out and be like, this is overhyped, this is overhyped, this is overhyped, because a lot of them people will like them. So when you say overhyped, it almost sounds like you're saying the whole thing needs to go. But I'm not. I'm saying it becomes overhyped because the group of people who like it really like it. There is almost no better example for this than a lot of the Buffalo Trace products. Now, Buffalo Trace does a lot with uh, making their products harder to access, or I should say that some folks believe that. And they there's a limited quantity of them, so that also drives up demand. It drives up 
uh, this rare factor, I would say. But also, so like run-of-the-mill Buffalo Trace, I love it. I think it tastes great. But it also is a pretty specific palate. It doesn't just taste like run-of-the-mill bourbon. I mean, it has a little bit of something different going on. It's in the low end of that mid-price range, so it doesn't have a ton of different stuff going on. But my point being, people hear about it, and it gets so hyped up. And then they try it, and they're like, oh, this just, this, especially if you're a newer person, this just tastes like whiskey. This doesn't even taste like anything special. And for that reason, it becomes overhyped. So I'm sure you were looking for like a specific whiskey um, in the mid-tier price range that I'd be like, this one, this isn't worth it. But I think most whiskeys have their places, especially in that mid-tier price range, because they're not so overly expensive. So I think most of them have their place, but that place gets way overblown because in that mid-tier price range, you're able to do some slightly more exciting things that some people love and some people hate. And then it just it becomes a whole thing. So hopefully that answer kind of makes sense. I, I know it's a little bit of a politician's answer because it's not like anything specific that I've had that it, it, you asked most overrated. It's not like one overrated bottle that's just way overrated. It's more so a pattern that I see in the price range that you asked about because you really do see that in that price range. Moving on to the next question. Oh, the next person actually asked, I don't want to get buzzed slash tipsy when I taste multiple whiskeys, uh, similar to how I do it. So they asked if I have any tips. Uh, And I did give some tips in that last Q&A episode. So if you go back like three or four episodes to the last Q&A episode, uh, you will see a response to that question that I answered it in long form. The next person asks, if buying a new bottle, what order of importance are things like proof, bottled and bond, age, etc.? So <clears throat> this, is, this could be a very big question, but I'm going to try to keep it kind of concise here. Those specific things are not necessarily huge factors for me. So like none of the things that you mentioned specifically are going to play a large role in whether or not I buy a bottle. A lot of it for me is going to be word of mouth. What I hear people saying about it. I even as a reviewer, if I haven't had something, I'll look up reviews of it, get an idea of if it's something that I want or not. So I thought I'd kind of break down that process a little bit. Uh, First, I'll run through the specific things that you asked about. So how important is something like proof? Honestly, to me, there's definitely proofs that I like more than other proofs. I have mentioned before, like around 110, 115 is a proof that I really enjoy. But if I'm just looking to buy a new bottle, proof isn't all that important to me uh, because I've had 80 proofs that I love and I've had 90 proofs that I love and I've had 125 proofs that I love. So there's not like a specific proof that really matters to me. So it's not so much looking for a specific proof as it is considering the proof when I'm reviewing it, really. So proof doesn't play a huge role. It might if you're newer and you can't really handle super high proof. Uh, Bottled and bond plays almost no role for me. I think it's cool, and I like to know about it, Um, and I like that I know I'm going to get 100 proof whiskey, and you know the things that you know about, you know it's going to be at least four years old. But to me, it's just another, it's like, oh, cool, this is bottled and bond. I, I don't mind very much. It doesn't really make a big impact for me. Now, age sometimes does. Um, not so much in the sense that I think older whiskeys are better because I think that's, I think that's really overdone. And I don't think older whiskeys are always better. 
but more so in the fact that I'm interested to see how the age comes through, especially with the mash bill, with the proof that you put into the barrel at. We actually talked about this a little bit last week with uh, my guest, Amanda. She really walked through some of this and it, it, she talks about how, you know, it's not just the barrel that it's going into. It's not just the age. It's, it's a lot of factors. So more so the age doesn't play a role in whether or not I'm going to buy it as much as it plays a role in uh, what I'm looking for when I buy it, like trying to understand more about it. So I like those sorts of things. Um, so that's a lot of stuff that I mentioned that I don't care about. So what do I do? As I mentioned, I will look up some reviews. I will see what other people are saying about it to try to get an idea of what I'd be getting myself into. And then the thing that I always recommend is get an idea for the type of thing that you like, especially if you're on a limited budget. Try to figure out what type of thing you like either by tasting it at a bar or a restaurant or by sticking in that that lower price range. Whatever price range is comfortable for you to buy a couple of bottles and try a few different things, stick into that price range. Learn a little bit. Do you like bourbon? Do you like scotch? Do you like Irish whiskey finishes, etc.? What type of things do you tend to like? And then use that as an educator for what the next bottle is that you're going to buy. Now, that's what obviously I lean on the vast majority of the time, especially if I'm at the store and I'm just looking at a bottle. Like I'm not, I don't have time to look up a YouTube video of somebody reviewing it or something like that or a quick TikTok or something. So I'll just lean on what I know about what I like. For me personally, it's usually I'll try anything. So if it catches my attention, if I think I've heard about it before, or if it just has a cool bottle that I think looks like a decent value, that's what I go for. Determining value can be kind of hard, uh, but you can kind of, you know, some things drive up the price regardless of whether or not it makes the whiskey taste better. Great example being age. It just drives up the price. So if you're selling something super young for super expensive, there's not really any finishes on it, etc. I'm immediately asking myself, why is it that expensive? Those are the types of things that you want to look at. Look at whether or not it's truly going to drive up cost and if the bottle you think is worth that price, but most importantly, if it's the type of a drink that you think you're going to enjoy or the type of a drink that you're curious about and you want to enjoy. Those are the really the main factors that I look at when I'm looking to buy a bottle, and I don't buy a lot of bottles for personal use anymore because most of my stuff is stuff that I have to review, stuff that people either send me to review or you guys ask me to review. But when I do, that's kind of the logic that's going through my head is um, – is it something I'm going to like? Does it seem to be worth the price? Which is a really abstract thing, but you know, kind of getting an idea. Does it seem hackish? Does it seem like they're just putting this in a super cool bottle in order to make it really expensive? Something like that. Try to look for those things. Um, and if you have the time, if you're at home, look up reviews of it. Look up the story of the distillery. Get an idea for who they are. That type of stuff for me is the most fun part. That's why I have the distillers on here to talk with for myself and for you guys so that we can get their story and learn a little bit about them. So that's kind of uh, the type of thing that I look for. But the, the specific factors that you mentioned <clears throat> don't play a huge role for me. Not a huge role. Uh, I do look at them though. And then the next few questions we have are about the Kentucky Bourbon Festival. So somebody asked, at Whiskey Fest, what kind of whiskeys seem to be the new trend? The next person asked, what was the most expensive bottle of bourbon at the festival? And then somebody asked, what was the most memorable moment at KBF? And then somebody asked, how was your time at Whiskey Fest? Did you enjoy hanging out with Conrad and other YouTubers? So, 
I lumped all of those together to say that next week's episode is going to be a full end-to-end experience, overview, review of Kentucky Bourbon Festival. Talk about my experience there. Obviously not vlog style, like I didn't, I'm not going to stitch in videos from KBF, but kind of vlog style in the sense that I'm going to try to give you a full picture of what you can expect from KBF. Also, what happened with me, what my experience was, and, and those sorts of things to really answer those questions for you guys. I have a lot to say about it that I think you guys are really going to enjoy, so please tune in next week for that episode if you have any interest. So that's not going to be a long-form answer because that's all I have to say about it is tune in next week and we'll talk about it. But without further ado, let's move to our lightning round questions. Let me bring those up right now. Okay, lightning round. I'm going to hold my phone. Before the lightning round, I almost forgot. We have whiskey to review. I'm going to give a couple extra notes of this very old Barton, get a little bit more into it, and then we'll round out my thoughts at the end. So I think I figured out two things that I really like about this for the price. The first is the nose and the palate are a little bit different. Uh, They're giving me slightly different notes. The nose is a little bit more on the sweet, creamy side. The palate is a little bit more on the... um, the punchier side, I guess I would say. So that's really interesting. That's not something you see a lot at the $20 mark. If That's about what this bottle looks like it costs online. The other thing that I'm really liking is I am getting it. Don't take this out of context. This is not as good as Weller Foolproof, but I am getting Weller Foolproof-esque notes that are really strange. So like I'm getting kind of a bit of a nuttiness along with the spiciness. This is definitely less expensive because you get some harshness at the end and some some harsh pepper, a little bit of burn, a little bit of saltiness. So that's definitely there. Don't get me wrong. But I'm getting something more unique than I see with a lot of bourbons. So definitely so far, I think that's one of the things that people really like about this bottle. If I had to guess, I'd say those two things, the nose and the palate being different and the the palate having a little bit extra of something going on. That was very interesting to me. Once again, I'll round out my thoughts here at the end. Now, let's run through some lightning round questions. What do you do with the bottle if you don't like the liquid inside? Cocktails or other experiments? Question mark. What I personally do with a bottle that I don't like is, yes, I will make cocktails with it sometimes. Um, yes, I will do other experiments with it sometimes, such as trying to blend it like one glass at a time, you know, half ounce of this, half ounce of that, blend it together, see what it tastes like. Or I'll save it for friends, Uh, especially the further you get into this hobby, the more you're really going to learn what your friends like. So especially if it's a bottle that I'm not a big fan of and I'm like, oh, you know, Bryce might like this. He's been on the show before. Zach might like this. Justin might like this. If I have that kind of an impression of it, then I for sure keep it because I'm like, well, they're going to enjoy this. Uh, Or sometimes I'll just keep it and be like, people can try it while they're here if they're curious. That's one of my favorite things to do is bring somebody into the podcast room and be like, try something. What do you want to try? I mean, that's like what whiskey's about, right? So uh, that's my favorite thing to do with it is keep it and let other people try it. But obviously I don't want to sit on my shelf forever and people might try it and not like it. So then what do I do with it? In that case, I typically, yes, I make cocktails with it or I will make blends with it or try to see what happens, those sorts of things. That was a fast. Or that was a long answer, so we need to get a little faster here. My my apologies. The next person asks, "How's the Infinity Bottle going? Been a spell since you gave us a review of it. Uh, this might have been before the last Q and A episode got posted because I did do a review of the Infinity Bottle in that that episode. I think I definitely did one recently. 
The next person asks, have you ever had mellow corn whiskey? I did have mellow corn, and I do very much enjoy it for the price. Uh, it is a corn whiskey, and it has a, a just a nice, basic, good whiskey taste for like, I want to say it was $20 for like a whole liter. So not a $750, not .75 liters, but a whole liter. Moving on to my thoughts on Angel's Envy Rye. Here's a funny part, a funny story from KBF. I love Angel's Envy. Everybody knows that. I wanted to try their rye while I was at KBF because they had a tent there. And once you're inside the festival, the samples are like free. Like you walk up and you just ask for a sample. I forgot. And the best part of all this is I had to walk past the Angel's Envy tent to get from the media tent where I was to the restroom, which I did a bazillion times because I was drinking water. And I forgot. So I still haven't tried Angel's Envy Rye. I'm probably just going to buy a bottle now because I, everybody loves it from what I've heard. I can't wait to try it. I've saved it for this long, and I forgot to even try it at KBF. So that was a fail. Uh, those are my thoughts on it. You'll probably see a review of it here in the future. Have I before or do I endorse buying whiskey off of Instagram accounts? I almost made this a long-form question, but I can say it very quickly. No. No, no, no. Please, please don't buy whiskey from other Instagram accounts unless it was personally recommended to you by somebody that you know. Even then, I wouldn't do it. For those who don't know what this person's asking about, a lot of times Instagram accounts will claim to be people who resell bottles that are really hard to find. And it always sounds too good to be true. And if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. I get these type of spammers in my comments and I always report them when I notice them. But guys, I can't catch every single comment, so please be careful. If you are on my Instagram, my TikTok, or my YouTube page, and you see people saying, I can get you this bottle, especially I do a lot of Blanton's reviews. If you see people saying, I can get you Blanton's for $50, just don't trust them. Unless you have a, a friend who specifically recommends them, I still don't know if I would trust them, but don't trust them. And I've even seen, that actually brings up a great point, make sure it's a friend, a person that you know recommending them, because I've seen... Those fake accounts have other fake accounts recommend them. And you can tell they're fake because they're not speaking like proper English. It's like a bot or something that's just plugging in words. I would not buy anything off of anybody who approaches me on Instagram saying they have a deal that sounds too good to be true. Just my personal opinion. Please, guys, beware, especially in my comments. I feel terrible when I see people uh, interacting with those, and I immediately report them and try to tell the person, like, hey, don't interact with these people. The next person asks, people are, or they say, people are sleeping on Oak and Eden. Is it because it's outsourced? Is it a gimmick? Um, so Oak and Eden, I've only had one time, and I enjoyed it. I think sometimes things look gimmicky, and that actually scares people away. It does the opposite of what it's supposed to do. So Oak and Eden has that little charred wood spiral, as long as I'm thinking about the right whiskey right now. But I'm like 99% sure. Uh, and it looks gimmicky. And I thought it tasted good. I thought it was unique. It was something a little bit different. I've only had one glass of it, so I didn't do an amazingly in-depth review. But I think that's probably why. I hope it's not because it's sourced. I hope we're past like the sourced whiskey hate in America. Um, but that's my guess. It's probably because it looks gimmicky. I, I, I might try to snag a bottle and do more talking about it because it seems like people are wondering about that bottle. Next question, rye that will surprise my brother with smoothness, $50 or $60 range if there is one. Uh, let's see if I didn't prepare for this question. If you can get your hands on baby Sazerac, so Sazerac rye from the Buffalo Trace Distillery. Um, I know I talked about how Buffalo Trace, sometimes their stuff's overhyped. If you can get your hands on it, I think it's like 30 something dollars. So it's really inexpensive. And I thought that was good. Um, I really liked wheel horse rye, wherever it is on my shelf. 
right there. Wheel Horses 101 Rye. I thought that was good. Um, in the anything less than $50 range, I don't think it's going to be too wildly smooth. Like I haven't had a lot of ryes that are like insanely easy to drink because rye has this inherent spiciness to it. But it can have a little bit less alcohol burn. And I think Wheel Horse does a pretty good job of that. I thought the Wheel Horse rye was not very harsh, rather approachable. That's probably what I would recommend. The next person asks my favorite non-alcoholic beverage. My favorite non-alcoholic beverage, I think I've said before, cream soda. And it's probably got to be like cream soda. That I really enjoy. Um, I really, I mean, I don't know if you can count milkshakes. Like I don't drink them often, but when I do, who doesn't love a milkshake, right? But yeah, probably either cream soda or some form of pop. I'm uh, I, so I don't know if I've mentioned on the podcast yet or not. Honestly, I've been doing like basically no drinking aside from whiskey reviews. I'm not saying that I'm committing to this for the rest of my life. I'm just trying it on for size. So right now, the only drinking that I do is actually reviewing or tasting a whiskey. It's not. I don't have a beer when I mow the lawn anymore. Nothing like that. All this is to say uh, that I've been destroying diet pop because of that. I mean, I know. Say what you will about aspartame. I don't drink enough from what I've seen online for it to actually have any impact from the aspartame side of things. But I uh, I personally <laughs> have been drinking a lot of diet pop is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and I love, I love most pops. And I know a lot of people don't drink pop at all. But for me, I love it. That's like my next go-to. I've been drinking a lot of diet root beer, diet cream soda, diet 7-Up's a really good one that I enjoy. I like that with some ice because it kind of feels like I'm holding a drink. Um, so yeah, I've been just destroying the, the market in diet pops and diet soda, depending on where you are in the country since I have been done drinking aside from doing whiskey tasting. So, and I've really been enjoying the whole non-drinking thing. FYI, for those listening who are thinking, maybe you'll try it, try it. Uh, I realized how much I was just drinking socially for no reason. And looking back at those now, I'm like, I like these social events more because I'm sober and I don't, and I remember everything. And you know, not that I don't, not that I was blacking out, but you get what I'm saying. Anyhow, that, that was a whole soapbox that I didn't need to be on. Diet pop is the, <laughs> is the answer to that question. Uh, and more to come from this whole sobriety thing that I've been trying. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. The next person asks, besides the KBF, what other bourbon festivals are you interested in? There are a lot of bourbon festivals out there. There are a lot of whiskey festivals out there in general. Um, I think any I would love to go to. Uh, but the other one would be Bourbon and Beyond. I'd like to try that out um, maybe next year, although it's going to be tough because I, I have to use vacation days to go to things like that. And I'm for sure, as God willing, I'm for sure going to be using vacation days for KBF next year as long as I'm able to. Um, and so using K, or using vacation days for KBF and for Bourbon and Beyond might be a little bit tough. But that's the other big one that I'd like to try out because I love music as well. And for those who don't know, Bourbon and Beyond is a music festival that's like a bourbon music festival type thing. So I'd like to check that out. I haven't checked it out before. The next person asks, any plans for whiskey nooblings? <laughs> I like I like that word, nooblings. They put in parentheses children. Uh, and if so, what bottle will celebrate it? Uh, so yeah, probably, I mean, God willing, definitely plans for kids at some point in the future, uh, as of right now. And what bottle will celebrate it? That's a great question. Maybe my first ever barrel pick because I bought a few of those to keep for myself. Uh, and then like probably something nice. If I'm able to get my hands on something really nice, um, 
that would probably be the type of thing I'd use to celebrate that. But I guess we'll just see when we get there. I mean, I could be in a whole different scenario. I might not be an influencer anymore or a content creator. I might be a full-time content creator. Who knows? I have no idea where I'm going to be by the time I have children. So that's an awesome question to really chew on. Probably could have been a long one, but then you guys would have just heard me sit here and go back and forth about it forever. So I I won't do that to you. Next question, distillery tours slash behind the scenes. I'm guessing this person is asking for that type of content. Uh, Hopefully I will be providing even more of that here soon. I did do an episode on my tour of the Maker's Mark facilities. Let me find that episode number right now. Episode number 94, I talked about my trip to the Maker's Mark facility and a couple of other uh, just distilleries that I didn't tour, but I actually just visited. Um, so distillery tours slash behind the scenes. Hopefully you guys will be seeing more of that. I'd really like to do more of that stuff um, and really gather more content from it, but you can check out episode number 94. There's also a TikTok that shows some of those videos um, somewhere. It's, it's an older video, but it's there. But I'm glad to hear that you guys want to see more of that because I want to make more of that. I love going to distilleries, talking to the distillers, getting behind the scenes type information. So hopefully, hopefully, God willing, you'll be seeing more of that. The next question is, what is the most expensive bottle that I've purchased that was worth it and not worth it? Okay, so one that was worth it and one that was not worth it. That's a tough one. Um, I would say one that was worth it was... Ooh, okay, there's a couple. I, I still consider barrel products, like barrel craft spirits, I still consider those expensive. So those are like 85 bucks a bottle. To me, that's an expensive bottle. Um, I find a lot of theirs to be worth it. Seagrass especially. I, I always like champion barrel seagrass. I love it. It's super different. It's a finished rye. That one I think is worth it. What's an expensive bottle that's not worth it? I think this is going to be a hot take for some of you, and I apologize. Uh, to me, Booker's was good. I forget what batch I got, so maybe that gets me out of the hot water. I don't remember what, what batch of Booker's I had. Booker's was good, but it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't like amazing, and it's like $100 for the bottle, I think. So that one I was a little disappointed in. Um, but I've heard there are some batches that are wildly good. So really depends because they do it in small batches and they all taste a little bit different. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it there before I get myself into more trouble with people who disagree with me. The next question is, can I review green river bourbon? Yes, I happily can. Hopefully, um, I will be doing a review of it here soon, uh, because I actually talked with them at KBF and I tried their stuff for the first time at KBF and spoiler alert, I liked their stuff. Um, so I would like to do real review, you know, cause me saying that I liked it, that's very subjective. I'd like to do a real review with their stuff. Um, and maybe we will see more of me talking about it. If I sit down with it and do a long form review of it and I really enjoy it, we'll see. I'm excited to do a long form review of it though. So Green River, they have a normal bourbon and a weeded bourbon. I'd like to review both of them if I'm able to. So I don't know if they're both available near me or not. We'll see. Have I done the Kentucky bourbon trail and is it worth the vacation to do so? Kind of. So I, I've been down there. I toured the Maker's Mark facility. I've been to a couple of other places uh, just as a visitor. And I didn't do like the trail in the sense that I went to a ton of distilleries. If you look it up, like the trail's not like three distilleries that you go to. It's like there's a bazillion distilleries down there. And you kind of pick and choose what you want. Uh, 
is it worth it? A hundred percent it's worth it if you plan it out properly. So like I would look up a map, I'd figure out where you're going, I'd get all your tours booked, plan to go here, then here, then here, then here, whatever, um, and plan it out properly. And absolutely, I love touring distilleries. That's why I want to make more of that content for you guys. Hopefully, you know, in the near-ish future, because I this, this requires money and vacation days for me, um, I can go see more stuff and really give you guys better synopsis of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. I would love to do that. So we'll see. Maybe that will be happening here in the future. Uh, The next person says, Hi, first off, I just recently got into the whiskey hobby last month. I love your podcasts and TikToks. So helpful. Thank you. I really appreciate your positivity. As I mentioned, I I love when people are positive on here. Thank you so much. I'm all about spreading that positivity. I appreciate it. Then they continue and say, I wanted to ask if you've ever tried Sazerac, or sorry, if you ever have tried or would try Sazerac Rye, Southern Star, specifically Paragon. So those are two separate bottles. So I've had Sazerac Rye, not the BTAC collection, so not the Buffalo Trace Antique collection, like the expensive Sazerac Rye, but I've had just Sazerac Rye, which people call Baby Saz. I like it, especially for the price. If you're getting it in that $30 range, I think it's mighty tasty. That's just me. Um, Southern Star Paragon, I have... I don't know what bottle of Southern Star I have. Hold on. That was a stretch. I had to cut it out of the video because I probably looked like an idiot reaching over there to grab it. I do have Southern Star Paragon. I have Paragon Single Barrel specifically. Um, So I tried it. I really liked it. I have not done a very in-depth review of it. I know you guys hear me say that a lot, but that's because the in-depth reviews pile up. So I have not done like a super long review of it. I did try it. I did like it. Uh, This bottle is actually available on my bottle shop. So if you go to... I think it's uh, it's shop, like S-H-O-P, dot whiskeynoobsllc.com. Uh, you can find uh, bottles there that I either liked or recommend, and that's also where my barrel picks are going to be sold through uh, when they're released to the general public and not just to my patrons. Patrons do get first dibs on barrel picks. That's something I should mention more often than I do. Uh, if you want first dibs on a barrel pick, make sure you join the Patreon page. Next question, how would I plan for a trip of someone's first experience on the bourbon trail? In general, I'll keep it very, very simple. I would plan it out very well. I'd pick a few distilleries that they've heard of, they want to check out, um, and I would plan it out so that we're going from this distillery to this distillery this day, and then this day we're doing this. Just have a plan um, because for me, the tours are way better than just going to the gift shop. I love actually getting a tour of the place. So do that. Um, a lot of tours you have to book very far in advance, Buffalo trace, almost impossible to get in there. So make sure you're on top of getting that tour. And, uh, yeah, I just make sure it's very well planned out and I would recommend it. I think it's awesome. I think it's so much fun to be entirely honest with you, but also don't be afraid to check out distillers near you. Like a lot of distillers are very cool, even small ones that I've been to. I went to that McLaughlin's and it's tiny and I really, really enjoyed it. So don't be afraid to try local distilleries. What's with the Blanton's hype? If it wasn't for the bottle, it's mediocre at best TBH. I always get comments like this, and I wanted to address this one because this person specifically said, if it wasn't for the bottle, it'd be mediocre. And I disagree. I think Blanton's is a good bourbon for $60, which is what it what they charge for it in Ohio. At the $60 mark, I enjoy Blanton's. And I consider $60 more than mediocre. I do not think it's worth probably even over a hundred dollars personally for me. Um, 
But what's with the hype of it? I've broken down the Buffalo Trace hype in past episodes. I've done videos on it. Uh, it's a good bourbon, and it gets, of course, it gets overhyped. They have great marketing. It's a good bourbon with great marketing. Is it worth a little bit more than $60? Maybe. And a lot of times when that happens, it just, you know, blows up. Any plans to have Autumn back on as a guest? Been curious if she ever got around to enjoying whiskey. Um, no, no direct plans to have Autumn back on at the moment. Um, but I do know, because I'm still friends with her, that she doesn't enjoy whiskey. <laughs> at least not not any more than she already did. So, spoiler alert. Um, I am still friends with her and it I haven't seen her drink any whiskey. I, I don't think she likes it. So sorry to, to burst that bubble. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe she could be in the future. Are there any proven liver supplements or other things you can do to minimize adverse health effects of drinking? Um, I can't recommend enough. Andrew Huberman does a long podcast about this, really breaking it down, really talking about all the things that you can do to offset the adverse effects of alcohol in general, like not just whiskey, but alcohol. Um, he does a better job of explaining it than I could ever do. So I will leave him to it. I, he, one of the things that stuck with me that he mentioned was, um, fermented foods like kimchi or sauerkraut, stuff like that. Um, like, like that are probiotic and help your, your microbiome in your gut. Um, I haven't tried those and I do want to look more into that and try to get some more info on that. Uh, but I'll leave that to him cause he knocked it out of the park with that podcast. Would I rather only be able to drink whiskeys at or under 100 proof, including bottled and bond, or over 100 proof? Over 100 proof, specifically because, first of all, I prefer that proof in general. Usually I like in the 110-ish, 115-ish range. But also, if there's a whiskey that I want to try that's less than 100 proof, a lot of times there's a cask strength version. Not all the time, but often there's a cask strength version. Plus, I always mentioned that this just came to me. I always mentioned how much I like Barrel's products, and I wouldn't be able to get any of them because Barrel releases their stuff at cask strength. So that'd be tough. Um, Barrel Craft Spirits, that is. The next question is, how can we better understand the palate slash profile of what we're drinking or pull out the nuance? There's a lot of ways that you do this. Um, I have discussed at Nauseam different tips and tricks. Uh, I highly recommend trying a flavor wheel, trying side-by-side tastings, trying blind tastings if you can, or following me on all social media platforms, any social media platform. I post tips and tricks about it. You can go listen to some of the first episodes of the podcast ever. Never mind the audio quality and the conversation quality. We were learning what we were doing, and I think it. I, I think we did a pretty good job considering the circumstances. But there's a lot of really good quality information in those first few episodes, so go check those out as well, and I really run through tips and tricks. Or, like I said, you can uh, check me out on social media for shorter form content. Just kind of scroll through till you see different tips. And I post a lot of tips about drinking whiskey. And there's some that I haven't posted for a while, so I actually want to refresh some of those here soon. So, so keep an eye out for some of that coming up on the social media. And we are running rather low on time, so I'm going to cherry pick a couple more. I'm sorry, guys, that I don't get through all the questions, but please keep them coming. I love all these questions. Um, the next question, how many ounce pour do I use for my blinds? I don't pour them. My wife does, and she doesn't measure. Uh, but I can tell you that on average, I probably drink about a half ounce of it. If she pours more than that, then a lot of times that ends up going down the drain. Sorry. I, I value my liver more than I value whiskey. And when I'm doing a blind tasting. If I were to drink a full ounce of each, that's two ounces in like 10 minutes. It's a lot of whiskey really quickly. So 
that's the answer to that. Uh, last question. We got time for one more. Are store picks generally better than ordinary bottles? If it is a store with a good reputation for good picks or they are using a, a content creator or a whiskey reviewer who has a good reputation for having a good palate, then yes, a lot of times, a lot of times, yes, but not all the time. There are always exceptions to the rule, but a lot of times if they know what they're doing, they are picking out very good barrels. That's all the questions that we have time for. I'm going to wrap up this review of very old Barton 100 proof. Mind you, this is a $20 bottle. So like this is, this is getting rated on that budget scale, well, kind of like the budget budget scale. Um, one last, I got a little bit left of it in here. We're going to try it. We're going to talk about it and then we're going to get out of here. Something else that can be said for the complexity of this whiskey is as it sits, the nose seems to change a little bit. Um, I think maybe it's gaining harshness on the palate though. I don't know for sure, but once again, this is very, very budget. Um, but it, it has nice general bourbon flavors. Let's, let's cover it a little bit. Nice general bourbon flavors, not overly harsh. Definitely has a little bit of harshness that indicates that it's budget. You know, not just alcohol burn, but also like a, a kind of a saltiness, a little bit of a bitterness, a little bit of a black pepper. I don't want to say black pepper because sometimes black pepper is good, but a little bit of a bitterness that builds up on the back of your tongue. But not too, too much of it for only being $20. Uh, it changes as it sits in the glass. The nose changes a little bit. The nose and the palate are a little bit different from each other, which I find very interesting for something so inexpensive. A lot of times you won't see that be the case. And it has a little bit of a unique taste to it with kind of what I would describe as a nuttiness, kind of a, a, walmond, a walmond all-nut. Wow. An almond walnut is what I was going for. An almond walnut kind of a nuttiness to me personally. So you get those generally good bourbon flavors, you get a little bit something extra, and you get it for $20. In my opinion, anytime we're in that $20 range, if you're doing that, if you're checking those boxes, I consider you a pretty good whiskey. So I like this. I like this bottle. I would buy this bottle. Um, if I, Especially if I didn't have the amount of whiskey that I had, if I was just keeping some bottles around, this would definitely be a budget bottle that I'd consider keeping around. So I, I really enjoy it. I haven't put it up against some of the Elijah Craig bottle, or not Elijah Craig, Evan Williams bottle and bond, some of those types of budget bottles that I really enjoy. But I'd like to. Maybe I will. Um, good bottle, though. Overall, if you see it, it's probably worth at least trying. Probably won't be for everybody because it's got that kind of uniqueness going on, but I thought it was very interesting. That's all that we've got time for in this episode of Whiskey Noobs, guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for submitting your questions. I love doing these episodes. I love answering your guys' questions. I'll try to get more efficient with the lightning ground in the future. But every question is important, especially if it's one that I haven't seen before. So thank you for submitting them one last time. You can submit those on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs. Every Wednesday, I will post a sticker to my story, usually in the morning Eastern time. And then you can respond to that sticker, post your question. I will see it. I will screenshot the ones that I want to answer. And then I will answer them on here. If you want to jump to the front of the line, join the Patreon page. That's also the best way to support the show. I, I, can't thank my patrons enough. Um, click the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash whiskey noobs if you are interested in joining that Patreon. That's all that we've got today, guys. Thank you so much for joining. I will leave you with learn to drink, drink to learn. 
Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you need more Whiskey Noobs content in your life, make sure you check out our Patreon page in the show notes. And if you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review. It only takes a couple of minutes, and they're way more helpful than people realize. If you want to do tastings alongside the show, make sure you join the email list by sending an email to whiskeynoobspodcast at gmail.com with a subject line that says email list. You'll receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of of time. You can also find more Whiskey Noobs content on Instagram at Whiskey underscore Noobs and on TikTok at Whiskey Noobs Podcast. Once again, thank you guys for listening. The Whiskey Noobs Podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.